0: Good evening, ladies. It's so good to be here with you tonight and with those of you in Plano. Um, I can honestly say there is nowhere in the world that I would rather be than here with you tonight. And I love looking out and seeing the diversity of God's creation in our midst right here tonight. I'd love to introduce you to my family. And if you take a look at them up on the screen, you're gonna see a picture with a lot of people. And before you start trying to figure out who goes with whom, I need to tell you, I'm single and I'm 45. And I know for many of you, I am your worst nightmare. (laughs) Well, this is not the life that I had planned for myself either, but it's a pretty good life, I'm enjoying it. Um, I grew up in a very close family. And when I say close, I mean 12 of us live within a one mile radius of each other right now in four different houses. Every week, about 19 of us get together to have dinner and popcorn and just to catch up. We're a very close family. And this close family is filled with a legacy of faith. And I'm so grateful for the godly heritage that God has given me. And in that godly heritage, there is a long line of strong women who were wives and mothers And in our family, children are cherished, almost worshiped in our family. Children are deeply, deeply loved. So when I thought of what it meant to be a godly woman, I always imagined that I would walk in the footsteps of these women, these strong godly women before me. But that didn't happen, so why not? Well, it was in a particular season of my life that I was considering marriage to a particular guy. He was a great friend of mine. I enjoyed him a lot. He loved the Lord. He had a great family that loved Jesus and I loved his family, but I just couldn't decide. I was wrestling. And it might help you to know why I was wrestling. At the time, as Gigi said, I was living in Russia. I lived there for 12 years and I was doing what I loved to do. I felt like I was created to do what I was doing in Russia. I was helping to take the gospel to college students throughout 11 time zones in the world's largest country. I was getting to lead alongside an internationally diverse staff, and I was getting to use my gifts of being strategic, being a leader, and I was having an amazing time living out my gifts in Russia. So marriage would mean, giving some of that up. But again, I had these godly women before me and I thought that's what my life had in store. I thought that's what God had in store for me. So what should I do? It was in this season of wrestling that I was going to an estate sale with my mom. My mom and I love to go to estate sales, partly to hunt for treasures and partly just to look at other people's real estate, see what's in their homes. So we were at an estate sale one time and we had found a few things and I was standing in line to pay, and we were behind an elderly gentleman, and he was putting down a quarter for a coffee mug. And the woman behind the cash register said, sir, before you buy this coffee mug, you might need to know it leaks. He said, that's okay. I don't want it for a coffee mug. I need a pencil holder for my desk. So it's gonna be a pencil holder for my desk. I was stunned. It was as if at an estate sale here in Dallas, Texas, God spoke straight to my heart. You see, what I was doing in Russia is what I was created to do. I was made for this. And it was like he was saying, Cheryl, do you wanna be a coffee mug that was made to be a coffee mug? You can choose to marry this guy. That would not be a bad option. You could glorify me, you would have a great life. But you would be a coffee mug that was built to be that was being used as a pencil holder, not as a coffee mug. All of a sudden, my decision was really clear. You see, the life that I had planned for myself, and then the life that I was realizing as I was walking with Jesus and following him, were not the same, it was better. As I was walking with Jesus, the life that he was leading me to and shepherding me in was better. It's not that being single and being a missionary overseas in Russia is better than being married or being a mom. That's not it. But the life that I was created for, the life that he had for me at the moment. And ladies, I'd love to be married someday. I still may be married, I don't know. But if my highest calling and if the highest calling for every single one of us was to be a wife and a mom, I would have made a very different decision that year, wouldn't I? But that's not our highest calling. Our highest calling is to walk with Jesus, closely with Him, and to live out our gifts, live out the talents and passions that He's given us. That doesn't mean it can only happen one way or the other. It's gonna be unique for each one of us. You were created by God to be a warrior, not a weakling to live boldly and beautifully for Him. My picture of a godly woman, as I said, was pretty limited. But if we look in Genesis at God's creation, His creation is full of contrasts and colors and fullness. It's a beautiful array of different shapes, textures, and even as the earth was populated, we see different cultures that were built out. And as God was creating things in Genesis one, he wasn't just creating things, he was defining things. For instance, we wouldn't know what light was unless there was darkness, would we? So creating darkness helped us understand what light was. The same is true with earth and sky, water and land, animals and humankind. God was defining as he was creating. And God, as he was creating, was able to do that because he was the creator. He is the one that defines the creation, isn't he? As creatures, we do not define ourselves. He defines us. If we look at Genesis 127, it says God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. We see right there, that as God is defining and creating, he did something different. He created mankind in his image, male and female, to help us understand who he is. He was helping give definition to us as humankind for who he is by comparison and contrast as we bared his image. So women, we know from the get-go, we reflect God's image together with men. Genesis 2, 7, if we go on to the next chapter, it says, Then the Lord formed man of dust from the ground. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. This was something new in creation. Every other thing that God had created, he spoke into existence. But at this point, he formed man from something that he had already created, from dust, If we go on to verses 18 through 25, it says, then the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Out of the ground, the Lord formed every beast of the field, every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to the cattle and to the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Again, this was something new because with everything else in creation, God had stated, this is good. And for the first time, God said something wasn't good. And what wasn't good? It was not good that man was alone. There was a need there the picture was incomplete. The picture, the reflection of God's image was not yet complete and man himself had a need that he had not yet recognized. Isn't that the way God is with men and women? He meets our needs before we even know we need them sometimes. And I would say there are oftentimes with men, they don't realize how much they need the contribution of women, how much they need the, the reflection in the image of God that we reflect. And at the same time, women, sometimes we don't show up, realizing that our contribution and the reflection of, in the image of God that we uniquely bear is critical. So God repeated making something from something again, didn't He? He took a rib from Adam's side. He took upcycled dust, right? And He made woman. So when He made woman... It was a very intimate type of creation, wasn't it? He took the rib from Adam's side. From his very essence of man, he created woman together. This is an amazing and unique relationship, but he did it while Adam slept. And that means that the woman and God had a relationship before man was even aware that she existed. He was still sleeping. Ladies, we have a unique relationship with God, and then he awoke. But when it talks about how God created the woman and what unique role she played, it uses the word helper. Now in the Hebrew, I'm gonna teach you a little Hebrew, that's the word ezer, the word for helper. Now oftentimes when we think of a word helper, One of the first images that comes to my mind is mommy's little helper, like I was when I was little, but like my nephew was when he was little. And so we all know that when we start talking about a helper in that kind of context, you know, you could make the cookies faster yourself. It would make much less of a mess, wouldn't it? It would be done quicker, but you wanna include the little guy in the process. You wanna make a memory You wanna teach and develop the kids so you're willing to put up with a little inconvenience so that you can have a little helper. Well, ladies, this is not the word God is using for us. In fact, if you do a word study, and I encourage you to do this, if you do a word study on the word helper throughout the Old Testament, more often than not, this word azer refers to God himself, a help that is essential, that is critical, a helper who saves. If we look at Psalm 70, verse five, this is one example of that. It says, but I am afflicted and needy. Hasten to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. O Lord, do not delay. So, so far as God has created woman, we know two things about ourselves. One, we are made in God's image to reflect his image together with men. And second, we are an essential helper. We were created by God to be warriors, not weaklings, to live boldly and beautifully for him. If we go on and we think about that though, and we even look and see that the man and woman were created and they were naked and not ashamed, we realize that something has happened, right? Well, that was sin. Man and woman felt like they could find life apart from God, independent from Him. And the result of that was broken relationships. Broken relationships between God and mankind and broken relationships between man and woman. For each character in the story, the serpent, the man and the woman, there were unique consequences to this brokenness, to this sin. In Genesis 3.16, we see what the consequences were for women. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children, yet your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. I need to point out to you ladies, this is descriptive, not prescriptive. We don't try to make childbearing more painful than it already is, do we? Men don't dump in a bunch of extra rocks into a field before they start farming so that they can live out the curse that way either, do they? It's, it's a consequence, it's a result that's descriptive. So it, it does not mean that men are to rule over women in that sense. It's gonna be a result of brokenness because it says, as, as the woman, that your desire will be for your husband. And we can see it today, can't we? We want to find our identity, our completedness in a relationship with a man and how he views us, whether he chooses us, whether he pursues us, how he values us. And at the same time, we kind of feel a little competition with him. We feel like we could do it better. Anything you can do, I can do better, right? That's part of the consequences of sin. So men here, instead of becoming image bearers alongside women together in harmony, become our competitors and our definers. It's like a catch 22, isn't it? Life is doomed in that perspective if we leave the story just there. But there is hope when we look at the consequences for the serpent in Genesis 3.15, it says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. Ladies, this is a foreshadowing of Jesus who was to come, who was gonna fix the brokenness, who has fixed the brokenness, and he's fixing the brokenness in each of our lives. You see, God sees those places where we look for life apart from him, where we try to find our identity in a man or in our accomplishments or in winning. He sees that, and his response contrasted to the man, man's response is not broken it's not to dominate over us it's to love us to continue to make us new as we continue to reflect god's image alongside men who are also experiencing brokenness there are many examples of azers in the bible and I wanna remind you, ladies, I think so often we tend to compare ourselves not just to men, but to each other. And we tend to think that a being a godly woman is gonna look like one particular type or flavor, don't we? Well, that's not the way God created us. Remember the creation story at the beginning, it's the contrast. It's building out and defining that creates beauty and creates a picture that is a glory of God type of picture. If you think of God's glory, think of all of His characteristics, all of who He is summed up together. And in that case, every single one of you is essential for God's glory to be reflected. One piece missing, and it's not a full reflection. It's not a full picture of His glory. Ladies, you are a masterpiece. You are created specifically and individually with unique gifts. You're not a mass production. We were not made with cookie cutters. We were not made to be widgets. You are a masterpiece. If we look throughout the stories of the Bible, and I encourage you to do this too, I would love to introduce you to a wide variety of women with various gifts who were Azers. They reflected God's God's image. Up on the screen, you're gonna see where you can find their stories in the Bible. And I encourage you to take a look at them and look for more. Shipra and Puer were defenders of the weak. Abigail was courageous. She had discernment and she solved problems. Ruth took the initiative, taking risks motivated by self-sacrifice. Deborah was a judge of an entire nation and she led with courage. Esther was the voice of justice and salvation for that same nation. Priscilla was a theologian and she taught men and women. Martha was a hostess. Lydia was entrepreneurial. She was a leader who financially provided for the mission. Anna was a prophet and a prayer warrior. The woman at the well, as Bethany shared with us, was an an evangelist to an entire village. Rahab was a protector of men and jail? Well, jail was an assassin. She took a tent peg and nailed it through the temple of a man's head because he was from the opposing army. Wow. Any assassins out there? Maybe. There are so many more. The picture is so diverse. And aren't we glad, ladies, that these women boldly and confidently lived out their image-bearing even though they were living in a patriarchal context where women were not valued. Women were not seen as important oftentimes and they did it anyway. And they were faithful to reflect God's image, not just to other women. They weren't off to the side somewhere doing this. They did to their whole culture, to entire nations, they were reflecting God's image. First Corinthians 12, before it talks about love, in, verse, in chapter 13, it talks about all the different gifts that God gives, and they are given. Your gifts are given for the good of the whole. Ladies, you were created to be Azers, to be helpers that are essential in painting this picture of who God is to our world and to each other. And if you feel like living that out means you need to look like anybody that's been on this stage, or anybody that's sitting next to you, or your favorite mentor, or your favorite author, or blogger, or podcast giver, then you're missing out on reflecting God's glory in His image to the world around you. You're, ex- you're missing out on experiencing the freedom of who He created you uniquely to be, the masterpiece that you are. I love reading a fresh perspective from the message in 1 Corinthians one twenty-six through 31. It says, take a good look, friends, at who you were when you got called into this life. I don't see many of the brightest or best among you, not many influential, not many from high society families. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses, chose these nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies? That makes it quite clear that none of you can get by with blowing your own horn before God. Everything that we have, right thinking, right living, a clean slate and a fresh start, comes from God by way of Jesus Christ. That's why we have the saying, if you're gonna blow a horn, blow a trumpet for God. Ladies, you were created by God to be a warrior, not a weakling, to live boldly and beautifully for Him. And as we do that, the picture of God's glory is gonna become fuller and fuller. Even those of you sitting in this room, as you continue to do that, more and more will join you and that picture is gonna become more diverse, more beautiful, more beautiful, more full. I encourage you, live boldly, live freely for Jesus. Thanks.